my message today is called the battle. Anybody ever had a battle in their life? All of us, right? At one time or another, we face different battles in our life. The world is filled with battles. You know, at the end of the Second World War, they said that was the end of all wars uh, in the world. But ever since the Second World War ended, there's always been a war. There's always been battles throughout the world. And do you know that not only uh, are there physical battles uh, going around in the world today, um, battles that we have in our own lives and in the lives of your friends and those that you work with and your family, but there are also battles going on in the spiritual realm, the realm that we can't always see, but we can see the effect of the spiritual battles. And today, I am going to focus my message on the battle that each one of us face at one time in our life. And there are people here who are facing this kind of battle every day and need the victory uh, in this battle. And it's simply this, the battle of the mind. The battle of the mind. We face these battles every day. And today I'm going to uh, share from God's Word how we can get victory uh, in this battle and how we can maintain the victory to help us to um, get through life and live a life of victory. When I was about four years of age, how many people can remember when they were four? I'm the only one who can remember when they were four. <laughs> and I know... I can't remember a lot when I was young, but this was one memory that's been uh, put into my, my brain and I never, ever forgot it. I was four, and I know that I was four because I hadn't started school yet. And I was at a family friend's place. My siblings were there and, and our friends were there. My, our parents were there. And I remember being there and I was on... Um, uh, the veranda or the, uh, the covered area of this house playing and all the kids were playing and I was playing and then all of a sudden I stopped and I had this thought that was so overpowering and I never forgot it and it was this. I stopped and I thought, what am I doing here? And I wasn't just saying, what am I doing here playing with all these kids? I was beginning to think about who am I? Pretty deep for a little kid, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, who, who, what am I doing here? And what's all these people doing here? And I began to um, question, what, what is this all about? And then it got so deep. And as quick as that thought came on me and the time that I spent mulling over the questions of, of life, I snapped out of it and went back and played. But I never, ever forgot. You know, there is a, a verse of the Bible in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 that says he's planted eternity in the human heart. Do you know that there is a part of our heart, regardless of whether we are Christians or not, that has eternity, that has a God part in us that searches for truth? 
and there are people here today, and you're here and you're searching for truth. You're not a four-year-old boy like me. You're an adult and you're here in the room and you're starting to stop to consider really what is the purpose of life. That's basically the question I was asking at the age of four. What is the purpose of life? Why do things happen the way that they do? Why is the world filled with struggle and sadness and the different things that have happened in the world and in your personal life? And some of you today are struggling with that thought. And you're beginning to think and imagine in your own heart, really, what is this? Do you know what that is? Let me tell you. That's the bit of eternity that God has placed in your heart to give you curiosity to seek out the truth. And you're not here by chance today. You're not here by chance. You are here today by God's divine order to hear his word and to respond to his word so that you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you believe that? Let me hear an amen. Amen. God wants you to know your purpose in life, why you are here. What is life all about? You know, it wasn't until I was 13 that I discovered who I was when I gave my heart to Jesus. When I heard the gospel message preached for the first time, I went into a church and felt the love of God over, overflow in my heart and in my life. And then I heard the message and I responded to the message. And you know what? It changed my life forever. That day on on the 11th of June, 1967, in the middle of the Six-Day War. Do you remember the Six-Day War? A lot of you weren't even born. When Israel defeated all their enemies, remember? Uh, In six days, the world was astounded because God uh, intervened in that situation. I was 13 and I gave my heart to Jesus and it changed my life. But it wasn't really until later on that I really understood who I was. And I believe that God wants you and I today to really have an understanding of who we are. Why are we here? What is the makeup of us? How are we made up rather? And today we're going to look at that and we're going to understand. Let me, let me, give a, an intro to my message today, and then I'll get on about the battle to understand. You are a three-part being, three parts. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. That's who you are. And I'll explain this further in a moment. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. You are spirit, soul, and body. So let's have a look at these three areas quickly, just as a foundation for what I'm going to be talking about uh, in a little bit later. Your body. Your body is your connection with the world. It's your your earth suit, right? 
And some of our suits uh, need ironing, some don't, you know. Uh, It's the suit that you wear. When the men went to the moon, I heard the other day uh, Elon Musk is is planning to go to the moon and, and take people to the moon. When people went to the moon all those years ago, they had to wear a moon suit to survive. If they didn't have their moon suit on, they would not be alive. We have an earth suit, which is called our body, and that's the thing that connects us with the world. And the part of you, this is the part of you where you experience the natural realm. This is where you see, where you hear, where you touch, where you taste, where you smell. I don't mean you smell. I mean where you smell, not smell, right? It's the place where you talk. Some talk more than others. I'm not going to say which which sex does, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's where we see, hear, touch, taste, smell, talk, where we connect with the world. So our bodies, we need to understand, can be used for sin or holiness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So when we receive Christ, we are not our own. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit or the place where the Holy Spirit lives. We become a vessel of honour to be used and honour God with our body. So let's have a look at the second part of us, the soul. Every human being has a soul. You have one, the person next to you, the person behind you and in front. Everybody has a soul. Job chapter 12 and verse 10 says this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. We all have a soul. Your soul is the decision part of your being. In your soul lives your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind is what you imagine, right? Your will is what you want. And some of us have strong wills. Uh, This week, uh, my wife and I have been looking after our grandchildren. And I must say, they all have strong wills. And they test their wills, our wills. And many people here have strong wills. Some people here struggle with this area of their life. And then, of course, their emotions are what we feel. You know, there are some people who are feely, touchy people and others are cold as as, uh, ice. It's because we are all different. Isn't it great that God made us all different? Can you imagine if God made everybody like me. It would be a disaster, honestly. Or if everybody made, was made exactly like the person next to you. It would be a disaster, right? But God, in his incredible ability, he made all of us different, uh, especially in this soul area of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Do you know that God is such an incredible creator that he created everybody that's ever lived and is living today 
with a different fingerprint. Is able to, that little part of your body is different on every single person that's living and has ever lived. How unbelievably incredible is God in the way that he created us and the way that he has made us. And so we are a soul made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, and these three areas interact with each other back and forth, and the soul is the natural, the neutral ground, rather, between the body and the spirit. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and, and here uh, is the soul is the connection between the spirit uh, and, uh, and it's the natural, the neutral ground. And the soul is eternal, it never dies. Both the wicked and the redeemed have a soul that never dies. Some people believe that when you die, it's all over and bang, everything stops. Let me tell you, only the body dies, but the soul lives on forever. And we have the choice to determine what happens with our soul after we leave this world. And then, of course, there is our spirit. And our spirit is our connection with God. It's the innermost part of you. It's the center of your being. It's the source of our identity. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10 to 12 says this. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, talking about when we come to Christ, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So this is the God connection part of us. Your body belongs to God, your spirit is one with God, and your soul is filled with and belongs to God as well. This is the big picture of who we are. And some people here today have been asking the question, even before you came here, who am I? What's my purpose? Why am I here on earth? Let me tell you, God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah uh, says that uh, God has a plan, and it's a wonderful plan. It's, it's a plan not to harm you, but it's a plan to give you hope uh, and a future. But today, we're going to focus on a part of who we are, and it's a very, very important part of who we are. It's our minds, which... Uh, is actually part of our soul. So this message today affects each every, and every one of us today. You see, our minds are the, battle soul, uh, the battlefield for our souls. It's the battlefield for our souls. It's, uh, it's the place where we need to become uh, mind warriors, to battle to battle the, the battles that will come against our mind. You know, we can be victorious, and I'll explain a little bit later how we can win this battle, but it is a battle that each one of us face. And a mind warrior is a Christian 
champion who fights where all battles begin because all battles in our life begin here in our mind, in that soul area of our life. And those different areas of our soul affect each other and interact with each other. And the battle starts in the mind that affects our will, that affects other areas where we make decisions. And so we have to have an understanding of this so that we can have victory in this area where all battles begin. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 through to 6. Let me read it to you. It says this, For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, a little bit later, I'm going to explain that verse a little bit more and explain uh, what we can do to win this battle uh, in our mind. So a mind warrior wins the battle before it gets momentum. Do you know it's really um, the strategy of war to win before momentum begins to take place? I mean, it's like that in, in anything, sports. You know, you go out fast and you demolish the uh, hopes of your team that, that you're playing against. You get the momentum going and you keep the momentum going. It's like that with our minds. We've got to win the battle before it gets momentum. I mentioned before the six-day war. It took six days for Israel, uh, who was outnumbered unbelievably in 1967 by all the enemies all around it, six days they knocked them out. They took all those prisoners before they could get momentum. And it's the same with our minds. You see, our minds interact with our whole being in this battle. So it's just not a, a, a battle that we have in our minds, but the battle that we have in our mind begins to affect every area of our life. It affects what we do, what we say, what we confess what we experience, where we go, what we give into, it all starts in our minds and it affects every part of our being. It affects our sleep, right? How many people here have had a battle in the mind at some time in their life when they couldn't sleep? You could not switch off your head, your mind, right? It's a battle that we can have the victory over. So the first point that I want to bring today is our mind is the target of this battle. Our mind is the target. The objective of the battle is to control your mind. Your mind is the target. A mind warrior sets up a barrier or a per, uh, perimeter of truth around their minds. You know, when a military operation happens, they, they go in and what uh, they, they would maybe come down in a helicopter and they would set up a perimeter around first to protect the asset or whatever they're uh, involved in. And it's the same with our minds. 
We have to set up barriers of truth around our minds to protect us from the attacks of the enemy of our mind. And every one of us has this enemy of our mind that is seeking to destroy us through our thinking, through our minds. The enemy of the battle is the devil. The enemy of the battle is the devil. And the devil's been around since the garden when God created Adam and Eve. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, there is a realm that we can't see, but it's so real. It's so real. Do you know that there, uh, there is a, a realm in this room right now that you can't see? It's called radio waves. If you turned on a radio or you answered your phone, you know, there are waves that you can't see that make your phone work. And you can't tell me, oh, they're not true. It's not real because I can't see it. You know it's real because you talk on your phone or you turn on the radio or the television set. You see, there is an unseen world out there of spiritual forces that are out to attack us in this area of our mind that are out to battle with us. And the battle is constant. The devil begins to come in and sow doubt and fear in that area of our soul, the mind. So, so, yeah, we must be aware of the weapons of the devil. You see, the devil's been around for a long time and he's developed a lot of incredible weapons. We must recognize the bullets that the devil fires at us. It says in Ephesians 6.16, in addition to all these things, uh, to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Do you know that the devil fires fiery arrows? Do you know back when they they wrote this in the scriptures, uh, they, they never had missiles. Back in those days, they, they had like bow and arrows, but they would turn the bow and arrows into something really um, uh, like a weapon of mass destruction by lighting a little flame on it, and they would fire it over the walls that would protect people in these cities, and hopefully they would start fires in the city and, and burn it out. The fiery arrow, arrows were not just arrows that, you know, get people in their heart, but but they, they go and they, they start fires and create havoc and so forth. So the devil's got these fiery arrows that start fires in our lives, in our minds. Let me give you a couple of them. Unforgiveness. Amen. Oh, why should I forgive that person? And James preached on this last week, right? Why should I forgive that person? And if we refuse to forgive, the fire gets greater and burns more and more. You know what unforgiveness is? It's like trying to hurt the person that hurt you with poison. You pour the poison into the cup and you drink it and you hope they die. Right? That's what unforgiveness is. What's another one? Lust. 
and silence filled the room. <laughs> Here's one that probably hardly ever affects anybody, anger. Dishonesty. Compromise. Discouragement. Offence. Pride. Drunkenness. Greed. Impurity. And I've never been in a building this size with no noise. Like, I've just not heard. You know why? Because these are all the arrows that are fired at us and at our minds. And we're thinking, yeah, that's me. I know it's him and her, but it's also me, right? So the devil fires all these arrows, flaming arrows at us, missiles from the devil to try to win the battle of our minds. Because if he can win the battle in our minds, everything else just falls in place. And God wants us to stand against the devil and beat him at his own game. So the, the prize of this battle is our peace. You see, when the devil is winning the battle of our minds, what does that do? It robs us of our peace. We can't be calm. We can't just feel the peace of God. Now, the peace, peace isn't just the absence of everything around us. Peace is actually, uh, is a still heart in the midst of a storm. Right? Why is it that Jesus could be in a boat going uh, across the sea and the disciples are afraid when the big storm came up and Jesus was asleep. And the disciples who were experienced fishermen said, Master, Master, wake up, we're going to drown, we're going to die. Jesus had total peace. Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storm. And do you know what? When we have victory in this area of our life over our minds, the battle in our minds, the storm can be raging, can be category five. And we can, we can just have the, the confidence and the assurance that the storm will not harm you. You can have the peace of God that rules and reigns that nobody can fully understand, only those that have been privileged enough. And as believers, we have this privilege to know the peace of God that passes all understanding that comes and touches us. You see, peace is determined by who's in control. Who is in control? Romans 8 and verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is life. In other words, you won't die. 
with the situation you're going through, and God will give you peace. That's God's word to many people here today. God wants to give you life, and he wants to give you peace. It is, it's when God is in control of our thoughts. So when our thoughts begin to go crazy, what do we do? I'll explain that in a moment. See, God blesses people with peace. That's God's intention. Uh, Psalm 29 and verse 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. That's what God wants to do to you today. He wants to bless you with peace. How many people want to be blessed with peace? I do. And so about five or six others. How many? Yeah. That's better, more, more. So many people, you know, are tormented by lack of peace in their life. They can't shut their minds down. They go to sleep at night and they struggle. They just can't turn off the thoughts that are rushing through their head. And, and that's just destroying any element of peace that they might have in their life. I remember many, many years ago when... Um, uh, we, it was our first church that we went to as youth pastors. I preached one Sunday night, and I had a word of knowledge about a, a person who could not sleep. I said, there's a man here that, that can't sleep. In fact, God showed me I could see him tossing and turning in his bed, and he couldn't sleep, and he woke up more exhausted in the morning than what he was before he went to sleep at night. And I said, God... Uh, wants you to know if he can show that to me, then he can touch you and he can heal you. And, uh, and, I, and he came out for prayer that, that day and, and I prayed for him and he came back the next week. He said, you know, I haven't slept so well in years. You know, that, that, uh, the, the truth, um, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And you know what? There are people here like that today, I believe, that you are struggling. You're, you're rolling over. Thoughts uh, uh, that were small have become bigger and bigger and bigger in your mind, and you just don't know what to do about it. But let me tell you, you're here in God's divine plan today because God wants to touch you, and he wants to, to deliver you and set you free, and he wants you to understand the strategies that I'm going to give in a moment to help you live a life of victory in that area. Amen? You know, the Bible says that peace will guard your heart and mind. Peace will be like a perimeter, like a hedge of protection around us when the fiery darts of the enemy come. It says in Philippians 4 and verse 6, do not be anxious. Turn to the one next to you and say, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything but in Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Let me say it again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this morning, my challenge is let God's peace guard your heart because God has an overabundant supply of peace that he wants to dump into this room and into each one of our hearts and minds today. Do you believe that? 
I believe it with all my soul and heart today that God wants to give people peace where there has not been peace. So we need to understand there are certain strategies that we need. This is my third point. The strategies to win the battle. The first thing is this. And everybody that's been in the battle, all military, whatever, and there are obviously people here uh, who have been in the military or maybe already there, you must know who your enemy is. Do you know, I don't know whether you've heard about the Falklands War. Anybody heard about the, the Falklands War that happened right back, I think, about 1981, where there's a little group of islands off of Argentina called the Falklands in South America, and, and uh, there was a battle between um, Argentina to occupy and take over this little British colony. And what that did was it set off uh, the war between uh, Great Britain and Argentina. Fortunately, it didn't go for, for too long. But the, the greatest battle that they faced during that war was when the, when the British were fighting the British. because they didn't realise the people they were shooting at was actually their own men. And it was a fierce battle. And then when the battle was over, they realised they were shooting themselves. So it's a great lesson on know your enemy, right? Know who your enemy is. And the Bible says the devil is our enemy and the devil is a liar. John 8 verse 44 says... For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. You know, one of the greatest weapons in war is stealth. You know stealth? You know, they have these stealth fighters that they can't see. They have stealth ships that are built in such a way that they can't be picked up on radar and so forth. Stealth, the greatest weapon in war is uh, stealth. In the garden, the devil came to Eve and uh, he, he tricked her and Adam. And uh, he said, you know, are you allowed to eat of the trees here, the fruit? Oh, yeah, we can eat of them, um, but we can't eat of that fruit. And he said, <laughs> that's not true. He said, did, did God really say? So what does he do? He, he plants doubt in our mind. Some of you are battling in your mind. The devil has shot a few arrows into your mind, and you're beginning to think, um, I'm too bad for God to save me. You know, that's a lie of the devil. And, and, uh, but the, the difference is that the devil doesn't come to us dressed as a man that's in a red suit with, with uh, horns and a pitchfork, <laughs> right? If he come to us like that, we would get away from him. <laughs> Stay away from me, you devil. What does he do? He comes as an angel of light, right? Did God really say? You need to go to church? Did God really say Jesus is the only way? Is there really such a thing as life after death? He begins to plant these 
if only doubts in our mind. So we have to recognize that the devil won't come to us with a, a pitchfork in a red suit. He'll come as an angel of light. And sometimes they can be people that we trust even, like an angel of light with perhaps good intentions, but being used as an instrument of the father of all lies. So we have to know the enemy. We have to recognize the lies if we are to win the battle. You see, disinformation is a tactic of war. How many people were here during the 19... And I hope I'm not going to create any problems here. (laughs) During the 1986 revolution, I was here. My wife was here. Even your pastor James was here, although he was just a little baby at the time. Those that were here will remember it very, very well. We had a television and we were flipping between two channels. We were watching, right? President Marcos would come on. Uh, oh, no, no, the, 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 uh, the ones that were coming against the current the president at the time would come on and say, uh, the president has gone. Him and his family got in an aeroplane and they left last night at 6.05 um, from, Villamere, uh, uh, from the Air Force Base here. And, uh, and, and they're gone. They're on their way to Hawaii somewhere to get out of it. They've escaped. So, okay, everybody just relax and come. And then we'd flip the television to the next station. And there was President Marcos with his family and the newspaper for the day in front of him. I haven't gone. I'm still here. And, and so disinformation went back and forth. Eventually, um, the, the revolution took place and... Um, Fortunately, uh, it, it was quite uh, relatively peaceful and, uh, and life goes on. Now we have uh, many presidents since then and uh, I'm believing that the Philippines is going to um, become one of the, the, um, the power nations of Asia. Do you believe that? Yeah. That, uh, that life goes on and, and uh, God is going to do great things in the life of this nation. So let's all work together to see that happen. But getting back to my sermon, this is not a political rally, all right? I am not on one side and against another. I love everyone, all right? So we need to recognize the lies. Disinformation is a tactic of the devil. The devil says lies like, you're too old, you're too poor, You're too dumb. You're not pretty enough. You'll never succeed. It's too much of a risk. And he puts these lies into our minds and we believe the lie and then we back off. We accept the lie because the devil attacks our minds and we don't stand against it. So how do we win? We must know our enemy. We must recognize the lies. And, my, and the third part of this part of my sermon is we need to take prisoners. We need to capture every negative thought. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take prisoners. 
You know that every prisoner taken lessens the firepower of the enemy. That's a really good thing to tweet, right? It lessens the firepower of the enemy. So during a battle, what happens? They, they have battles. They take prisoners. The prisoners they take will never, ever take up arms against them again because they're prisoners. And we need to look at our thoughts like that. We need to realise that if we capture that thought, hold it as a prisoner, that thought will not have any power against us again. And it says here that we have to take every thought. In other words, it's not just one thought. It's two thoughts, three thoughts. It might be ten, dozens of thoughts. But every one we take and we capture is one less thought that's going to um, rob us of our peace. It's going to take away uh, the peace that God has planted in our hearts. So what do we have to do to win the battle? Know our enemy, recognize the lies, and take prisoners, right? My fourth point, which is my last point, and everyone said, (laughs) amen, yeah. The plan to maintain the victory. So we have to win the victory, then we have to maintain the victory, right? It's no good winning the victory and then turning around and then the enemy just walks straight back in. We have to understand how we can maintain the victory in the battle against our mind. This is the call to action part of my sermon. The first thing we need to understand in maintaining the victory is to know who we are in Christ. When we come to Christ, we become a child of God. I could spend hours going through the verses in the Bible that talk about who we are in Christ. But let me give you one. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 to 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So in Christ, we have been brought to fullness. Everything in Christ is in us. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ. The devil cannot penetrate because we have built a perimeter of truth around our mind. So we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know that we are a child of God. We have to know the devil has no power over us. We have to know that we've been chosen by God. We have to know that God loves us. All these are so important aspects of who we are in Christ. We should not walk with our head down, discouraged and anxious. We should walk with our heads up knowing in Christ we have the victory. Amen. In Christ, the devil has no power over us. In Christ, our minds are protected by the helmet of truth and the shield of faith protects us from the the arrows of the evil one. Amen? So we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to be guided by the Spirit to maintain our victory. Galatians 5 and verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit Guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
We all have a sinful nature. And that sinful nature has cravings that will draw us away from God's plan for our life. So we have to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. And if we're guided by the Holy Spirit uh, in whatever way He guides us and takes us, we can know that uh, we will have the peace of God in our lives. We will know that uh, our minds will be protected from the arrows of the evil one. Know who we are. Be guided by the Spirit. Guard our thoughts is the third one here. Guarding our thoughts to maintain our victory. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How do we guard our thoughts? We guard our thoughts by thinking the right things. So when negative thoughts come into our minds, we line them up against the Word of God. Is, is that true? If someone comes to you with some chismis, the first question you ask, is that true? Is it honourable? Does it lift up or does it tear down? Is it right? Well, it's not right to be involved in gossip. Is it pure? Lovely or admirable? Is it excellent or worthy of praise? What a great verse to memorize, to always use when our thoughts begin to wander. You see, bad thoughts are like birds that fly above us. We can't stop the birds flying above us, right? Birds are out there flapping away. They fly. Thoughts are like that. But we never let birds that fly above us nest on their head, right? Thoughts are like that. They fly above us. We can't control the thoughts that fly above us and we see them. But we can control whether or not we let those thoughts nest in our heads and lay eggs and create more thoughts, baby thoughts that end up taking away our peace. Amen. The next one. And I only have 300 more points. <laughs> Cleanse your mind with God's Word. You know, God's Word has the ability to wash and to cleanse. You know, not only God's Word has that ability, and, and we read it in Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, but do you know your words have the ability to wash and to cleanse? Someone's going through pain, you can bring them word of encouragement and uplift. Our words have the ability to wash and to cleanse, and God's Word does too. Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, talking about husbands. Any husbands here? This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, talking about the church, 
to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. God's Word cleanses our minds. If we've got things happening in our life, take out the Word of God and read it. Open it up or turn it on in your, in your phone, whatever, and begin to read it. Listen to it. I got a friend uh, in Australia. He's a businessman, a builder. He lets the Word of God run all night. He just plays it all night, just the Word of God, you know, how you can get it and it plays. Every night he does it. Such a powerful thing. Such a powerful thing, the Word of God. It will wash away stains. It will wash away those thoughts that you don't want to have. It has that power. So every day, make sure. Let me tell you, for, for decades, my wife and I, uh, we read our Word of God every day, read the Word of God every day, and we journal it. We read what, we pick a verse out, we write down uh, uh, what, it, what it talks about and how it applies to our life. Then every night before we go to bed, we read it to each other. I read hers, she reads mine to each other, and we talk about it. And you know what? We've been doing that for decades. And we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of journals that we have written. We used to write it by hand before we had uh, digital, right? Uh, and uh, we, th we threw uh, all those boxes of, uh, we have many boxes of them. Now we do it all on digital. So I have on my phone about 12 years worth of journals written every day that I have there. You know what that has done? That's washed my mind every day, year after year after year. So important in our Christian life. The next one is to be alert and stand firm to maintain victory. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. These are all ways we maintain our victory. And of course, one that's so very important is to pray. In the garden, Jesus said to his disciples, and we read it in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You see, this weapon of prayer or this defense of prayer has divine power to win over temptation, to knock down the birds that are flying above you before they nest in your head, right? And temptation, let me tell you, temptation begins in our minds. We don't all of a sudden decide to go and sin. It starts here. We think about it. Sometimes we check that nobody else is looking, right? And then it happens. But it starts here. So, in conclusion, I finished all my points. This is now in conclusion. Today we discovered the battle is focused on our minds, right? The prize for the battle is our peace. There's a strategy to win the battle and there's a plan to maintain the victory. And if we would take this message, if you're here in the room or if you're watching online, and you would apply these, uh, the Word of God 
that you've heard this morning to your life, God will give you victory. Imagine being free from painful thoughts. And some of you today are battling with painful thoughts. We can have memories of pain or we can have painful memories. But God wants to set us free from painful memories. Oh, sorry, memories of pain. (laughs) We can be free from discouragement. Imagine being free from negative thoughts. Imagine being able to have a calm mind. Imagine being free from anxiety. We can all experience this. But we need to win the battle before it gets momentum. And you know what? It all starts by opening up our heart to Jesus. It all begins by surrendering our life to God. Maybe you're here today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All these verses apply to you. Maybe you're here today and you've never, ever made peace with God. And because of that, you haven't discovered true peace in the midst of the storm. Today, let me say, you can, you can receive the peace of God. I want to encourage you today to say yes to Jesus. It all begins by saying yes to Jesus. See, God wanted a family and God created Adam and Eve and mankind to to have a family. But like a lot of families in this world, and I come from a broken home, uh, sin broke up that family in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. And what that did was there was a a price for the sin, uh, just like there is in our natural families when when there's a breakup of the family. And that price was uh, death and separation. Death to the family, death uh, through separation. But the Bible says that Jesus paid the price for our sins. He took our sins upon himself when he died on the cross and made it possible for that separation to be taken away and we could have a relationship with God again. We could become part of that family that God initially intended before sin entered the world. He gave us the gift of eternal life, the Bible says in Romans 6.23. And all we have to do is to believe in our heart. And I want to ask people that are, who are here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Or maybe you have sometime in the past and you've drifted away from God and you no longer have that peace of God in your heart like you had before. Or maybe you've never ever found the peace of God because you've never opened up your heart to God. You don't have a relationship with Him. Today you can. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It goes on in the next verse says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And if you would do that, the 
Bible says the peace of God that passes all understanding will come into your heart. You will find peace with God. What we have to do is three simple things. Confess, believe, and receive. Confess, believe, and receive. Confess, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Believe in our heart, as it said there in Romans 10. By believing in your heart, you are made right with God and then receiving or declaring your faith in God. I'm going to pray in just a moment and I'm going to invite you today. If you're here and you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, you feel God tugging on your heart right now, right where you are. Or maybe you've been away from God. You don't have that that, uh, peace of God or peace with God. Today you can have peace with God because God is here to make peace with you. Amen? Amen. Why don't we just all close our eyes for one moment. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you the question and then I'm going to ask you to respond to that question, whether or not you would say yes to Jesus. Lord, I pray for everybody here today and those that are watching online as well. Lord, if there are people here that uh, don't know you or have in the past known you and drifted away and Today, they feel you tugging on their heart to draw them back to you. I pray, God, that you'll open up their hearts right now. Just while we're all in an attitude of prayer, if you are here today and God is speaking to you, you know your heart is even beginning to pound right now. God is speaking to you. Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you surrender your life to him? I'm going to count to three. And if you would do that, I want you to lift your hands to him. One, he's calling you. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Two, God is really touching your heart today. Will you respond to him? Three, would you put up your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you right where you are. Lift your hand so I can see you. Thank you. Over there, I can see that. Any others? Over here. Yes. Yeah, here as well. And uh, back there. Anybody else? Just quickly. You There, I can see that hand there as well. Anybody else, just quickly lift up your hand to him and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Is there someone else here today? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Why don't we just all put our hand on our heart, everybody here, and pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I pray that you forgive my sin. Cleanse my heart. I come to you right now in surrender and I choose to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.